Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, February 16th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and via social media on Instagram, Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Megan Condano Atencia, with whom I will be discussing her poem, To the First Girl I Kissed, and my poem, Ode to Heartache. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Phoenix metro area during the week of February 17th. On Monday, February 17th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Joy Young will be hosting the third of their eight-part poetry workshop, From Page to Stage, Exploring Spoken Word. This will take place at the Phoenix Center for the Arts at 1202 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. From 8 to 10 p.m., Phoenix Firebird events will be hosting their Open Mic Mondays at Smooth Brew Coffee, which is at 504 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic is between 7 and 7.30 p.m. On Tuesday, February 18th, from 5 to 7 p.m., Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Building Bridges program performances at the South Mountain Community College Storytelling Institute, which is at 7050 South 24th Street in Phoenix. From 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting their weekly poetry writing workshop in room 101 of the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., I Am Root will be hosting their creative writing workshop with Truth Be Told. This will take place at Smooth Brew Coffee at 504 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. From 8 to 11 p.m., Ken Kong will be hosting his The Underground Experience a La Flor de Calabaza at 705 North 1st Street, Suite 110 in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 8 p.m. On Wednesday, February 19th from 5 to 10 p.m., Walt Richardson II will be hosting his Walk-In Wednesdays Open Mic Night at the Tempe Center for the Arts at 700 West Rio Salado Parkway in Tempe. As always, youth performers will go on from 5 to 6 p.m., and all other performers will go on from 6 to 10 p.m. Signing up for the first part starts at 4.45 p.m., and the second part starts at 5 p.m. On Thursday, February 20th, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting Discovering What Binds Us Together Writing Workshop with Sherwin Bitsui, which will take place at Piper Writer's House at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. From 12.30 to 3.30 p.m., the Piper Center will also be hosting Trans, Non-Binary, and Queer Plus Poetry Wonder Writing Workshop with T.C. Talbert, which will also take place at Piper Writer House at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. At the same time, the Transformational Image, a poetry workshop with Kathy Lynn Che, will take place as well at Piper Writer's House, again at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. 
From 6 to 9 p.m., Fatso's Pizza will be hosting its weekly open mic night at 3131 East Thunderbird Road in Phoenix. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly open mic at Jared's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quentin Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30. From 9.45 p.m., Atlas St. Cloud will be hosting his weekly poetry writing workshop at the Welcome Diner, which is at 929 East Pierce Street in Phoenix. On Friday, February 21st, from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting the first of its two-day Desert Nights Rising Stars Writers Conference, which will be taking place at ASU's Tempe campus. From 8 to 11 p.m., Ernesto Moncada and Rosemary Dombrowski will be hosting the Erotic Poetry and Music Festivals at Elwyn House at 1204 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix, where I and a number of past poets and muses poet guests will be reading. On Saturday, February 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting the second of its two-day Desert Nights Rising Stars Writers Conference, which will take place again on ASU's Tempe campus. Both days of the conference will include workshops and programs involving past poets and muses poet guests, such as Laura Tohi, Sean Avery, and Tanner Menard. From 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., I will be tabling at the Desert Nights Rising Stars Literary Fair, which will take place on the front lawn and Old Main of ASU's Tempe campus at 400 East Tyler Mall. From 7 to 9 p.m., Tamika Sanders or Dr. T will be hosting her I Got the Last Word Poetry Contest at Aroma Mocha Coffee, which is at 506 East Western Avenue, Suite 103 in Avondale. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Megan Condeno Atencia. Hi, Megan. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's actually really exciting. Yeah, me too. Before we get to your poem, the first time I kissed a girl. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, to the first girl I kissed. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> to the first girl I kissed. Sorry about that. Do you mind to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. My background is in global health, okay. English literature. Um, and I studied Spanish in high school, or sorry, in college as well. Um, I spent a lot of time running a global health nonprofit, um, mm -hmm. working to alleviate health disparities, and I kind of found my way to poetry through that because huh. I realized that people weren't always being treated like people in the health world, mm -hmm. and I was really searching for that level of like humanity. So mm -hmm. I found that in poetry, actually. So nice. that's when I started studying English. And once I graduated, I actually got my first job at a mental health facility. Mm -hmm. It was an acute psych facility, so like short-term stuff, but yeah. I was leading poetry workshops there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is that locally? Yes. So it's actually in Tempe. Okay. Um, 
it was actually a really great start to my career because now I work in an alternative high school. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm using all the skills that I've gained from running like a nonprofit and analyzing things right. to handling people who are in sensitive situations and right. using their expression and giving them the tools to express themselves. Right, right. So, yeah, that's kind of my background. Wow. That's almost like you started at deep end of the pool. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it really was, especially because, I don't know, That's how I've been taught anything, right? Like, I feel like you need to be able to observe the world first in order to, like, really write about it and, like, digest it. So my life is a lot calmer now. Okay. Yeah. That's good. good. You said that working at the global health nonprofit Mm -hmm. can help you get into poetry. Do you mind elaborating on that aspect, how exactly you got into it? Yeah, for sure. So I was running the Global Health Nonprofit and our entire mission was to work with grassroots organizations abroad Mm -hmm. in order to alleviate health disparities. So what that looks like is we're not just like a funding source, but we also help analyze the sorts of things going on in the ground or within the organization to help build it up. Hopefully also to learn from them and eventually work ourselves out of a job. So it was a lot of listening to people from other cultures and a lot of like trying to experience things through other people's eyes. So it was really fascinating to hear these various perspectives Mm -hmm. in places that I never would have thought myself understanding. Our first nonprofit that we worked with was in Uganda. Yeah. Cool, Uganda connection. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I got to talk really closely with um, the leader of the organization we were working with. At the same time, one of the members of the organization that we sent to Uganda Mm -hmm. was doing this really beautiful, analytical, lyrical analysis of the things that she was experiencing. So she was technically an intern there, but back in the States, she became our co-president. Okay. um, I was really inspired by her. Like, she's my writing partner now, and I love and adore her. Oh, wow. But I saw, like, the writing that she was creating and Mm -hmm. how I felt like... Her work was so much more personal and analytical and thorough than any of the data reports we had ever put together, right? (laughs) So that kind of inspired me to explore writing a bit more. And I found, like, my niche not in lyrical essays, which she was working on at the time, Mm -hmm. but in poetry and in this more, I don't know, like... This more sonic quality, right? Like oh, the storytelling okay. aspect. Like you draw people in and tell them a story to get them to feel something or connect right. to something. Right. Like I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. So. And your poem is more a story poem as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really wonderful that you brought that in. So did you begin by writing more personal things or, or did you begin by writing more like the global aspect that <laughs> you encountered? Yeah, good question. So um, I guess I neglected to say this when I introduced myself, but I am the daughter of Filipino immigrants. Okay. So my viewpoint on the world has always been a little bit more global because I have that perspective Mm -hmm. of essentially my mom and dad telling me and reminding me of where I'm from Mm -hmm. all the time. So my first poem was actually about being a coconut because my dad would call us coconuts all the time. (laughs) We're like brown on the outside, white on the inside. It was a horrible poem. I hate it now. Uh, (laughs) But it's my work has almost consistently been very confessional Mm. um mainly just with that global aspect because I don't know the more that I write the more that I see poetry is like the art of observation be it observation of self or observation of self in place Mm -hmm. or observation of like place and world and all these like huge big ideas I don't know maybe it's like a self-esteem thing but I don't always like to think of 
my ideas of the world is the best or whatever, mm-hmm. like something that someone's worth hearing. I'd rather people like see and hear through my eyes or what I'm observing. Right. right yeah. Right. So more personal, more first person storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, now you're gonna you can give us a taste of that with your poem if you don't mind reading yeah, it for us. Of course. Thank you. So this is called To the First Girl I Kissed, which is also outside note, this is the first time I ever wrote about this topic. This is completely new to me the first day, uh, the first time I ever wrote about this. It is high school, and I find myself in an Emory dorm room on a school leadership trip. You are full and confident, and I am naive and overstimulated. The black of the Georgia sky reflects in your irises when you ask to kiss me. And I think back to my neighborhood two hours away and the pecan plantation in its overgrown wilderness. And I say you remind me of running barefoot through the trees, tell you that your lips are beautiful. Simple words, all little high school me is capable of. Ignoring the belt we live in and the one I face when I return home and let it slip that I thought I loved you. I want you to know I was terrified. I was already terrified of being brown and ignorant and unsure in this place with no one like me except in anime. Late nights watching Dragon Ball Z and Cowboy Bebop on Adult Swim. Praying all the seasons were on YouTube so I could finish someday. Now... I was terrified because I didn't know what being with you meant. Just that one time, I typed Yuri into Quizilla and found Hermione slash Luna slash fanfiction and realized this was possible. That night, I traced plot lines on your neck. In my mind said, you be Hermione and I'll be Luna. Let's just have a good time and explore. I wove poorly timed Slytherin innuendos into the grip of your hair, snaked a gentle tongue down the length of your spine, raven clawed at your back. It was as if time turners hung inches away from us, the moon a star-kissed backdrop punctuated by happy owls and the wind in forbidden forests. See, these dreams of your lips started with lemons, Full Metal Alchemist and Sailor Moon and crossovers and incognito browsers because these sorts of dorm room antics do not exist in my reality. So a community created it for us and I read everything I could. I spent ages holed up in my bedroom closet, literally learning to love myself while outside my door's wars raged. But Daika, I'll kill you, was the only love language I knew. A brown man once told his daughter that he didn't raise an animal so she would not sleep like one, even though she could be beat like one. Let it be known that I didn't know love at all. Maybe that's why being wrapped in your arms never seemed like a struggle to me. It just seemed scary. I was more afraid of being truly seen. Naked flesh vulnerable to the tragic Atlanta skyline and cicada screams and your unforgiving words, I'll remember you. I don't really think you did because afterwards, you didn't reply to my texts, left behind promises of singing each other to sleep in the southern storm thunder. It was just a summer camp fling for you. But it wasn't just that to me. 
It was the first time things were easy, see. I've kissed so many other lips since then, almost shamefully and codependently. But now I love a man and sometimes feel like I'm not enough when it comes to my own bisexuality. It's like I found my way back to the closet, the room of requirements, and left with what I needed while leaving you and all the others behind. I'll admit, I still don't know how to feel about closing that door behind me, but after 25 years, I want you to know that this is the first time I know for sure that true love means being able to sleep with the window open and cry and let someone hold you, knowing they will be with you tomorrow and the day after and after and after with words of reassurance and rapture and love and bliss to see my Georgia peach. It never mattered that you were a girl, no. It mattered more that we didn't know how to love each other and now I found someone who can. I guess at the end of the day, that's really why this is the first time I've written about you. Love is love is love is love is love and this is the first time I've ever felt it. I'm glad we spent time chasing it, despite everything. I'm happy I live in this world where love is worth it despite the judgment and Bible belts and ghosted hearts and no contact family. Darling is sweet as Southern tea. I thought I found love with you, but it was as fleeting as Lockhart's pleasantries. I found love somewhere else and I'm learning that's okay. I'm happy and whole and yes, naive and overstimulated still, but I found love. I hope you found yours too, wherever it may be. Thank you. Yeah. It's such a, it's full of love poem and it's, it makes you feel kind of cuddled <laughs> and enveloped. So you said you decided this is the first time you talk about this particular subject or I'm not sure if I got what you meant by that is that the first time you're addressing your bisexuality or first time you're talking about her in particular or this experience with her yeah so um i have written other love poems mm -hmm. this is the first time though that i have addressed my sexuality pretty explicitly mm -hmm. and it is because like i kind of hint at in the poem because i'm in a really serious relationship right now like a two-year relationship with like a dude i feel like <laughs> i'm letting down part of my sexuality right and I didn't know how to fully express that because it's not something I've been fully comfortable with either, especially because of how my family views sexuality. Like, they're hardcore Catholic, right? Mm. So, I don't know. It's It's been really interesting wrestling with this poem mm -hmm. because I'm still comfortable with who I am. Right. I'm still comfortable with who I love. But at the same time, there are still some things that, like, I regret in like maybe trivial ways like I regret not ex like experimenting more mm -hmm. like that's not really a regret that I need to hold on to right but mm -hmm. it's still like these weird things where it's like I regret like not giving as much attention to maybe the parts of me that I needed to give attention to or mm -hmm. um, maybe I can't even engage in the LGBTQ community because like I'm not like I'm in a straight passing relationship like I don't know <laughs> it's it's been a, a weird journey I guess uh -huh, uh -huh. When during your current relationship did you write this poem? So it was after we moved in together. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I'd been thinking about writing about because I was writing a lot of love poems at that time anyway, mm -hmm. mainly to like 
my current boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And but I feel like I started it like a couple months ago or maybe like more. I don't know. Time is weird. <laughs> Less than six months ago, I will say. Okay. I know that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's one thing that you mentioned just now is that one of the regrets is not paying attention to parts of yourself or your needs, mm-hmm. right? It feels like that's something that you can continue to do, right? Yeah, it is. And it's something that, like, I'm exploring in various different ways. Mm-hmm. It's also part of why this poem came about because I felt that need, like, coming out mm-hmm. and wanting to be addressed. And I feel like part of the things that are preventing me from exploring it now are just like some of my own fears and I needed this poem to kind of overcome that. Mm. It addresses a lot this poem in short time. Mm -hmm. So your family is back in Georgia. So I have a handful of family that uh, went from Georgia into Florida. Mm -hmm. My family's military I guess for background. Mm. I grew up in Georgia because that's where we did spend the most time, but Mm -hmm. my family is like hopped around from place to place all across the South. Okay. And right now my dad's retired, so he's settled in Arizona because my mom found a really good job here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's why you're here. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you talk about two places, right? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who, who have moved from both the North, East, as well as the Southeast or Mm -hmm. Southern parts of the U.S. Mm -hmm. here. It's great that you're you're explaining that you're from a military background, so we get some idea of that. Some of the things that I didn't know the reference to, even though, you know, like, I know Adult Swim, I know what that is, but Mm -hmm. I don't know some of the more specific ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, you definitely read the Harry Potter books. That's like, she's done that. (laughs) That that sounds like Mm -hmm. to me. But what is this Yuri into Quizilla and (laughs) I don't know. No, you're so good. It's such an embarrassing part of my childhood. So (laughs) Please reveal. Yeah. So, the sixth grade was when I read my first pornography, but I didn't read it right it was actually I remember it almost too well um because I didn't know how to safely access like actual pornography videos um I think you did yeah because I was also worried like my dad like had me like truly convinced that the military was watching my computer Uh so I was like incognito browser maybe that'll work but just to be safe I'm not gonna watch videos I'll just read things so um (laughs) Quizilla was the first website where I found fan fiction, which is how I came to my pornography. It was all pornographic fan fiction. Or I guess that's technically erotica. I don't know. But yeah, (laughs) so Quizilla originally was just like fan-made quizzes to like, what type of character are you in this anime, right? But people eventually used it as a storytelling platform. Okay. Kind of choose your own adventure, but also like click to read next, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yuri is like the girl-owned-girl version of um, fan fiction, erotica. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Does that still exist for those people who want to explore this area of their lives? Fanfiction.net also exists. That's where I transitioned to after. It's like the more grown-up version. But yeah. So Yuri is girl on girl. And then slash fanfiction is like slash is another word for erotica. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Man, I'm missing out. (laughs) I don't know if you want to go into some of these reactions from your dad, especially because he features pretty prominently Mm -hmm. in the poem. 
Yeah, so I think the first time I asked my dad about sexuality, it was joking because he made me sign a contract when I was 13 to never have a boyfriend. And while I was signing it, I was like, so what if I like a girl? And he's like, at least you won't get pregnant. I'm like, okay, cool. But the moment I told him about this experience, it was like, I know my dad was like super into corporal punishment. He is a very abusive person. So it was like not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, even right now, like if some of my family finds this, they might be, it might be new to them. Right. But I'm like, I don't really care at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. My family is wrestling with a lot of things right now because of how traditional and fundamental their beliefs are, especially in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of love for the religion and a lot of love for my family. But mm-hmm. I don't want it to hold any of them back. And I've decided I'm at a point in my life where I'm just going to live my life the way that I live it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they still love me because I'm still their daughter, right? Right, right. So um, that's kind of the phase me and my family are in now. My dad's not talking to me right now for a completely separate reason. Uh, but my mom's still awesome. Mom's still great. great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can you can only keep the parts that work. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And all I can do is a hope. For yeah. the rest. Yeah, exactly. And you haven't changed who you are. Mm-hmm. This is just part of you that they haven't, or they refuse to accept. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I don't know, there's this whole thing when I was going through like Catholic studies when that was still a part of my life, mm-hmm. where the whole point of the religion is to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I only feel like I've become more and more myself the more that I've like grown up and come right, to like right. find things on my own. So right, right. at some point, yeah. people will come around or not, but it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because how, how can you be the best version of yourself if you're not being yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to ask you these It's okay. No, you're I, so good. I've never read... Which we'll call it the, <laughs> slash fan fiction. No, no, no. Or, I've never read the original work. Actually, I, I've seen oh. some Harry Potter movies, but I've never read them. Never read Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah. My heart is breaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> this library would just break down if it depended <laughs> on my having read things. It's okay. It's okay. I love and support you. I still haven't read Lord of the Rings, and I still get hate for it. So oh know, yeah, so I know. I know. It's, it's, it's fine. hard. You know, especially when it's in the movies. You right. have to have read them all. Right. They're, like, large, you know. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of things to say. Exactly. <laughs> so. Even, like, my kids. So, my kids at the Alternative High School, they make fun of me for not having read, like, Percy Jackson. Oh, I'm like, yeah. no. So, I know you guys fan out about that, but I'm just going to stay <laughs> in my corner of everything I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, I have to read your work. Uh. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Wait, I don't think you mentioned it in your intro. Wait. I, did you? Yes, you did. Sorry. It's okay. Oh. No stress. I just focus on it. I don't know. Like I feel like I've been so many places in the 25 years that I've lived that I'm like, just like, I could talk about anything for forever. <laughs> Oh, hey, so you're only 25. You're 25. Yes. Ah, okay. Because you made a reference here with, with but after 25 years, because mm-hmm. you were saying, I still don't know how to feel about closing that door behind me, but after 25 years, I want you to know that this is the first time I know for sure that true love means being able to sleep with the window open. Yes. Yeah, so I thought you were, like, much older. Oh, no. I was just like... Man, looking good. Great jeans. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I mean, you still look good. It's just, you know. So when you say that, then, 
because you mentioned 25 years, and I thought maybe you were at a different stage, maybe mm-hmm. in high school, at the stage that you actually had the experience mm-hmm. with her. So what did you mean then by that? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So in the poem, I mentioned that, like, this is the first time that I've ever felt, like, true love, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And I can honestly say that even since I was born, I haven't really experienced what I feel like is true, like, authentic love, mm-hmm. right? Like, when it was coming from my father, it felt kind of, like, warped and weird. Mm-hmm. When it came from my mother, like, it felt, again, like, inauthentic in some mm-hmm. ways, right? Even from my family members that I was around because it was tainted by the ways in which I experienced love mm-hmm. from my nuclear family like yeah. it still felt weird and I feel like now that I'm 25 I honestly feel like in the past like one or two years is when I've been able to rediscover not only true love in terms of relationships mm-hmm. like with my boyfriends and that sort of thing but also like with my family so I was actually considering the number for a while like can I do the math of how old I was when I went to this camp and like put that number <laughs> in there but it did seem weird to not put in my actual age and the number of years that I've been alive because of how recently like this whole process of receiving and giving love in an authentic manner has like truly been at the forefront of my mind and truly been intentional in very many ways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you say authentic do you mean something like no strings attached Mm -hmm. yeah that like unconditional like truly Mm. unconditional love that love that comes without manipulation Mm. without not just like I'll love you if you do this (laughs) but like your behaviors will result in certain types of love or certain rewards like there's almost this reward system that comes with it or this like I need to be a mind reader to know exactly what I need to do in order to even just feel loved you know Mm. what I mean Or even if you're angry at me, I can still trust you that you'll Mm. love me, right? Right. Like, those sorts of things for me have been broken in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really difficult, right? Because usually when people come from core relationship like that, where trust is a huge issue, Mm -hmm. where you feel like you have to give so much of yourself in order to get a little bit of what feels like love or Mm -hmm. warmth, emotional Mm -hmm. warmth, you don't necessarily find true love mm-hmm. in that the authentic the unconditional love that it seems like you you are finding now mm-hmm. so good for you <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah. so uh, you should teach a workshop on that <laughs> it's, it's really difficult to break from your past yeah. uh, models because a lot of people unconsciously just repeat that mm-hmm. yeah. you have a pointer for us i mean how did you <laughs> How did you get to that? You must have processed a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, A plus tip is find a good therapist. Yeah, <laughs> I'll show my therapy appointment later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think about it as a process of unlearning, which actually helped me a lot, right? Yeah. Like just framing this as like, these aren't my thoughts. These mm-hmm. are things that I've learned and behaviors that I've learned. Like these are not who I truly am and how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Kind of helped me compartmentalize like, okay, If I'm reacting a certain way, is that something I learned or is that truly me? Mm. So, like, 
right now I can think of, all right, my boyfriend must be angry at me today because I'm going to be coming home at maybe 9.30 tonight just because of how much stuff I have done and still need to do work, which isn't something he likes, mm. right? But that's a feeling that I have mm-hmm. that is the result of thought patterns that were taught to me, not mm-hmm. things that are authentically me and therefore not things that might actually be true, mm-hmm. right? And like my boyfriend's still going to love me even if like, I come home late and still have to do work and then get up at four o'clock in the morning to like do my lesson plans or whatever. So I think like that's the place to start is like, okay, did I learn this? Did I not learn this? Is this me or is this not me? Mm -hmm. But that's really hard to tease out objectively on your own. Like some Mm -hmm. of the things that helped me figure out even who I am and what I think was finding poets or writers that I really looked up to that sounded like either how I wanted to sound like or how I thought I sounded like. Mm. Like it first started with like, okay, Sarah Kay sounds like this. These are the kinds of images that she uses. These are the things that I'll gravitate towards and these are the attributes that I want to take on, right? Mm-hmm. She sees the world in a really optimistic way the majority mm-hmm. of the time and I feel like I'm an optimist too, right? And then that even moved into like my ethnic identity, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, Patrick Rizal, amazing Filipino writer. I really connect to the things that he's writing about. So this must be what it's like to be authentically Filipino. Mm-hmm. And even with queer authors, like I've met so many queer authors working in like the slam poetry scene mm-hmm. and all these different things. So like Joy Young, who's local, like their words really speak to me mm-hmm. in the ways in which they describe their love as well. And it's mm-hmm. beautiful. I think about even like Andrea Gibson amazing poet like the words that they speak of too and the way and the tonality that they carry just like beautiful amazing that's what I aspire to be mm-hmm. right so I think those are kind of my tidbits cool. yeah thank you yeah I'm sure the listeners appreciate it and I do <laughs> certainly because it is hard and we're always living through life sort of trying to find our authentic selves yeah. and then to be that best version of it right? yeah and in the finding aspect can take a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with me, if I think about, okay, I'm unlearning almost 20 years worth of things that I've learned, yeah. it's going to take double that time yeah. to just undo it might, all of it. it. Might, you might be a quick learner. <laughs> Back to this experience mm-hmm. of all the ones that you've had that you kind of mentioned a little bit, why this particular one? Mm. I think it's because in this particular instance, we were in this like leadership academy for people that would potentially become doctors one day. And it was one of the wildest experiences I had, one of the most ratchet experiences I had. And like, it was just like crazy from like start to finish, right? I never thought it was going to be like that because my mom and dad were like hounding me like, these are people who want to be doctors when in reality, it was people just who had money and didn't want to be home. But, like, I had to, like, scrape together money. So this particular memory, because of that context, like, really stuck to me. Mm. Not just the fact that it was the first girl I kissed. And that night, she, like, walked into my dorm room. We, like, were talking. And, like, literally out of the blue, she asked me, like, so bluntly, like, have you kissed a girl before? You seem like the kind of person who would kiss girls. And I was like, oh, am I? And I went through this mini, like, existential crisis. And I was like, you know what? I am. <laughs> it just turned into a whole thing. Okay. And wow. yeah. So yeah, that that's sort of that's kind of wild. It's okay. uh, because it's it's sort of like what fantasies are built on, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually happen that impromptu yeah. way. Yeah, usually we're just like 
reading in between the lines in text messages like does she really like me but I don't know but she seems kind of straight but she seems not straight but like does she I don't like there's a lot of I don't know <laughs> but I mean it sounded like it, you're at least at a stage in your life it's on the like near the end of high school or what is that is that oh in in the poem yeah I was what was that? It was either a sophomore or junior. Right. So you have a decent sense of what your sexuality is or the budding sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So it's not like you were totally caught off guard. So you were already reading this mm-hmm. fan fiction. Yes. You already explored that aspect, at least in theory. Yes. So so then then you weren't like that many existential crises mm-hmm. that you were talking about. It wasn't at least, like, you weren't caught off guard yeah. in that sense. Right? Yeah. I honestly feel like the existential crisis was also a little bit of, like, am I really the type of person to kiss someone I've never met before? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was because I'm a hardcore introvert, and I was so much more awkward in high school than I am mm. now, but I'm still so awkward. You don't seem like it. I know, but, like, it's so true, and I don't know how to prove it to people. Like, right, on the right, inside, right. I'm just constantly freaking out. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, that is hard to do. Yeah. But, yeah, it felt right. And the more that I explored my sexuality as I got older, the more, like, it felt right as well. Mm So, yeah. That's good. I'm glad you had the experience (laughs) because it's never that smooth. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) She was just very confident and very, like, "Mm -mm, this is the way it's going to be, girl. Like, I know you want this. And I was like... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's good. And uh, obviously, it sounded like a wonderful experience that you had, which, again, it's not always necessarily the case uh, when you're exploring your sexuality. And I'm glad at least that part was not traumatizing. So Yeah. yeah. Honestly, the most traumatizing part was like, we'll meet up later, boo, and then we didn't. But, like, yeah. it's me. Yeah. I don't know. Looking back on it, I'm like, we're high school. But at the time, it was just devastating. I was so I heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah. Because you finally had this physical experience. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it kind of lives up to the hype. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, do it again. <laughs> and then, then you're kind of wondering, it's me? What do I do? You know? Like, yeah. You go through all oh that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And afterwards, I was like, am I sure this is really what I want? And then I went back to my high school, and I was like, looking at all the girls, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I still feel this way. <laughs> but it was, yeah, I don't know. Good. I mean, I, th- I think I'm really glad that you, at least from that pre-med sort of mm. workshop, you got the, you know, like, empirical evidence. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, yeah, 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 I still want this thing. And it wasn't just dependent on her actions, which yeah. was good, because she obviously is not a very sympathetic and love yeah. aspect. But so sorry it's okay ghosted i hate ghosting ghosting is terrible it's just such a cowardly way out yeah yeah and inconsiderate as well it's like come on Mm -hmm. you're dealing with another human being you know yeah yeah 100 even a phone call just anything yeah because we had like flip phones back then (laughs) (laughs) text just text one text yeah anything yeah yeah it's i hate ghosting (laughs) So the reason why I chose my poem, mm-hmm. my poem was written 25 years ago. Oh. Well, actually more than that. Okay. It was in the 90s. Okay. So I felt like almost as if I was channeling 
what you were feeling at the time and what I guess you might have been feeling at that time, that overwhelming sense of love mm -hmm. that you feel for someone. So I thought, hey, I'll read that poem with her because you talk about it now looking back yeah. with a lot of reflection on what happened to you and also on your background and all of these things that contributed to who you are now. My poem is more of that moment. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So it's called Ode to Heartache. Darkness fallen, I must depart, carried with me memories of you. The last syllables you uttered drum within my heartbeat, that which impresses upon my memory, you, the source of my obsession. What ushers me to your side at the faintest call? Could it be love? I love you, I love you, I love you. Over and over I repeat, but a thousand times after, they merely forge a spoon to hold my flood of emotions for you. These words are too shallow. Few depths of the seven seas cannot gauge this which pounds my nerves and quakes my soul. Must I repeat? Inspiration of my art, syllables that weave my words, atoms forming my being, origin of my sin. You, you, you. So good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's always weird, right? Looking back, mm -hmm. like you said about the coconut poem. Yeah. You know, sometimes you look back and you're like, oh, Jesus. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you how you felt, like looking back at it now. You know, it's kind of... Uh, when you're alone, you feel differently. Mm -hmm. you, you're kind of like, oh, wow, I feel that strongly yeah. about this person. The other commonality is also a person who I no longer date and mm -hmm. who I think now is actually wrong for me, as mm -hmm. you think this girl, for yeah. obvious and not obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, reading it out loud, I'm just like, this is truly overdramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so authentic at the time, I feel. Wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And it was for my first love mm -hmm. that I wrote it. And it's in the second half of our relationship. I forget if it's like after I've had thoughts of breaking up with him mm -hmm. already. I doubt it, given how like I'm usually, how I feel is how I write. Gotcha. Pretty straightforward. So when I read this, again, because I was looking through poems to read with yours, I thought, hmm, I wonder if this is how she felt. So this is how you felt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So the line that stands out to me is like, origin of my sin, mm -hmm. right? Because the reaction that I came home to was so yeah. different from what I expected. I was like, I thought this wasn't a big deal. I'm not going to get pregnant. So like, right, I, right. I don't understand this reaction. But I can say like, yeah. After it's all said and done, I wouldn't say I feel this dramatic about it, <laughs> but I would say I kind of feel this dramatic about my bisexuality, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. my sexuality in and of itself. Mm -hmm. There are some ways in which I have to mourn and grieve part of it. Not mm -hmm. like not wholly. I don't know. Like, I'm not around as many queer folks as I would like right now to kind of, like, help me through the situation, but I think mm -hmm. on my own, it's, like... I do have to come to accept the fact that I'm in a straight passing relationship and that's how people are going to accept me. Mm -hmm. And I have to at least be amenable to that. Right. right? And well, I do, you are bi, yeah. so you have the option. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of nice if society will accept that. 
Yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah. And um, that would look glorious and amazing, and it would be fantastic to never be judged by that. Yeah. Um, so I'm I guess... I'm jealous. Yeah. Because you get twice the choice. <laughs> or many more choices. Yeah. 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 I feel like maybe then what I'm mourning is, like, maybe the way society handles things. Mm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it's sort of like what you said about closing the closet door again. Mm-hmm. Because even though you're not, you're not doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. You're also not showing the side of yourself that society has sort of like beat you up for. Yeah. And specifically your parents, not your dad. Mm-hmm. For such a long time, it's almost like, what did I suffer for? Mm-hmm. Right? Kind of yeah. question. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's a lot of it. Like, what did I stress over? Like, what was the purpose of going through the whole like hiding and then coming out of the closet phase and then like hiding again? Like, what was the point right, of all right. this like? rigmarole or right. like exploration or I don't know self-discovery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah yeah but you know that's the thing it's like love is love is love right mm-hmm. you the important thing is that you found love you yeah. found this authentic love yeah the rest is again it's sort of like what does society expect of me yeah screw them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, they're not going to hold you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're out there. Everybody has their own problems to mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you feel the, the questioning now is just that? Then Are you talking with your boyfriend about getting back to being involved more with the queer community? I mean, why are you less involved with it? I guess yeah. let's back up and go to that. For thing. sure. And I feel like this is something that I have been really terrified to address as well, which I said the poem helped me overcome some of that fear, but I'm Mm. still dealing with it, still fresh. I will say, though, that I was inspired to write this poem because of how many queer young folks I was running into, right? Mm. Like, not only at the school where I teach, but the workshops that I lead in the community, Mm -hmm. um, some of the youth organizations that I'm now helping, right? All full of very confident or not so confident queer young folks that need love and support. And I'm like, okay, well... I mean, I could be a queer role model. Like, that's why I teach is I want to help mentor and all these different things. Like, I want people to become better than I am, hopefully, by giving them my experiences so they don't repeat my mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? And in realizing that I still wanted to, like, mentor and support these people, like, I had to kind of combat some of these fears that I have. And Mm -hmm. one of my biggest fears is, like, am I queer enough to exist in these spaces? Like, I don't feel super queer presenting. I don't feel super, like bi and the sort of like I can proudly celebrate bi celebration day or whatever right right? it's something that I try not to carry on my sleeve because I'd rather just be who I am Mm -hmm. but in doing that it almost feels inauthentic to even say like go to a gay bar downtown or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be I don't know where that fear really comes from I feel like it comes from my own head because it's like this preconceived notion that like everyone in there is going to think I'm straight and don't belong there (laughs) like I don't even know if that's the perpetual fear of other bi people Mm. but it's definitely one that like I hold and Mm. something that I'm wrestling with because I have talked to my boyfriend about it right Mm -hmm. mainly because I mean I don't know if he still feels this way but one thing that he said to me was like I'm really worried that if you don't like explore the bi-ness Mm-hmm. of your sexuality that you won't feel fulfilled in our relationship right so 
So he recognizes that. We're figuring out, like, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I don't like being afraid of things, even though I'm afraid of the majority of the world. (laughs) Um, And it's, I don't know, it's something that I do want to address and explore. But, like, there's time as well. Like, I want to be around people. Like, I want to feel safety and trust. And it kind of goes back to that unlearning phase. Like, I just want to unlearn whatever taught me that, like, people are just going to think I don't belong where I am. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a common threat, right? Mm-hmm. It's even though you've gone from being in a very traditional, very fundamental Catholic community to a much more open, at least in a sexual aspect, mm-hmm. um, there's still that sense of fear of not living up to certain definitions. Yeah. Right, but those are not your definitions. No matter gay or bi or whichever you know, letter you choose to belong to in in that LGBTQ plus community doesn't mean you're sexually active all the time. And mm-hmm. or, and also it doesn't mean that's the only ticket that allows you to go to a gay bar, right? Yeah. It's like you don't have to be making out with a girl in order <laughs> to go in. That's not, that's yeah. not the requirement. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's very interesting to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you believe in monogamy and that's what you want to practice, it's kind of hard. You're going to have uh-huh. to choose one or the other. Yeah. Unless you want somebody who's non-binary. But that's another choice. That's, mm-hmm. you know, a whole other can of worms. Yeah. You know? And sexuality, so it's like a hot topic now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that where, where there are very few, like, clear and definite answers, yeah. right? And I feel like there's this general fear of having the incorrect answer or saying the wrong thing or like offending someone but I don't understand how we're going to get to any answers even for maybe one community or one individual or whatever it is without having some incorrect answers or stepping on people's toes or whatever it might be like I know for myself if I say something incorrectly like even in this podcast I want people to kindly correct me or like show me like how to maybe unlearn some of the things that I have learned or some of these preconceived notions I have, like... Or start a conversation, Exactly, exactly. And I'm not... mm, Am I afraid of doing wrong things? I guess I am afraid of doing wrong things. But I want to be aware, you know, what they are. Yeah. Well, you also want to be able to be yourself, right? And feel that you have the right to feel certain things. And that goes back to what you just said about being able to trip up and Mm -hmm. and being forgiven and having people who are offended to recognize that this is your experience Mm -hmm. not necessarily that you are out there to just offend yeah 100 percent yeah or even i don't know there's almost this fear of like my journey is wrong just because it was it wasn't like everybody else's, right? right like right. you even said it like this experience <laughs> happened so smoothly it could have been a fantasy. Like it happened the way I wrote it. Literally, the girl just walked in. We talked for maybe like five minutes, and she was like, "It's like a kiss porn. Me? Yeah, it's like a porn. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's, it's like what? <laughs> I'm so jealous. It's okay. <laughs> See, but that but that made me feel like it was so inauthentic for the longest time. And I'm like, is that really the way it's supposed to go? Is this journey supposed to happen the way it happens? But it's just like played out that way yeah and some people are just luckier I mean it's (laughs) nice to have that because you have these other experiences where it's Mm -hmm. a lot of growing pain yeah you're like and and when people are jealous of that you can just say you know things to say it's like well do you want the other part of my life right 
Great. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm thinking of so many stories. I'm like, I'm not going to say them. I don't. I don't you want could. to go you down that could. rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a lot too deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty dark rabbit hole. Yeah, know. well, we cover some pretty dark things. So, yeah. <laughs> if you feel up to it, you can. If you don't, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Life is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about unlearning. You kind of mm-hmm. have to go back to the dark side and mm-hmm. just say, oh, this happened. I'm not okay with it. And yeah. I think it's good that you still have your mom to count on and, and mm-hmm. she's good to you and, and she is loving. And mm-hmm. so, and we don't come into this life knowing that we can negotiate relationships yeah. with our parents. Mm-hmm. It's that later, later, we learn slowly that we can. And yeah. It's never a smooth process. Ever. Never, yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just that coconut comment, for instance. It's like some people would tell Asians, like, you're a banana. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, I'm not living toward your standards you know like this is who I am this is part of who I am and if you think somehow that means white or somehow that means European based that's your definition of who you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. right it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting living this double triple identity yeah no it really is and I've been thinking about that a lot honestly because my therapist says I need to find who I am. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. But like he's helping me through the process. And I feel like that's the most difficult part of it is not only do you have like parts of you, but they're mm-hmm. always interconnecting, right? Yeah. Like yeah. part of what gave me confidence in my sexuality was when I was in the Philippines, I went to get my hair cut mm-hmm. and the hairdresser was a trans woman, but still had a mustache, like it was wild. It was amazing. <laughs> And in Filipino households, there are always these, like, little statue idols of, like, saints or Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she had a statue of the baby Jesus, but, like, with eyeshadow and eyelashes and all these <laughs> different things. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. But it was my Filipino identity intersecting with, like, the sexuality that I and this confidence that I really admired. And mm-hmm. we have all these moving parts to, like, who we are and how we express it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gets so confusing is while you're untangling the things that you've learned about yourself that might not necessarily be true, Mm -hmm. it might be hiding some of who you actually are within those, like, threads and layers. Like, it's really difficult. It is. As you said, it's all connected. So Mm -hmm. if you're moving one part, the other part is going to move as well. Yes. It's like, stop moving. (laughs) Let me deal with this part first. Exactly. It can feel very overwhelming. And you you mentioned juggling Mm -hmm. in terms of your teaching Mm -hmm. before, but... Life is like that, right? That mm-hmm. juggling act of having so many things to deal with. And sometimes you're like, okay, enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, if you're thinking about, like, your poem, like, the drama of that. Okay, so I have to manage all my emotions while at the same time managing my identity. Like, all these things are happening. And, like, I might yeah. not even feel this way in, yeah. like, 10, 20 years. Or even 10, 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and, and then having your dad... Basically, you have this beautiful experience where you're like, oh, it's kind of like we thought you read. And then your dad really disappointing you in many ways because your last conversation with him, though brief, set your expectation to something completely different. Mm -hmm. And you trusted him to tell him that story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, parents, you know, we we hurt each other in ways that we don't mean to. Sometimes we don't mean to. We don't mean to. (laughs) We mean to in that moment and then we take it all back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have they accepted your sexuality? Question marks. 
to be honest, because, like, even right now, my mom, even though she's amenable to everything and she's trying her best to, like, love me and, like, reach out to me, mm-hmm. she still can't decide for herself if she can even fully accept the fact that I live with and I'm currently sleeping with my boyfriend, um, right? Okay. So if that's still hard for her to handle, I have no idea how she's handling the fact that I may or may not have slept with women before as well, right? right. right? So... It's a process. I think at the end of the day, because me and at the very least her are in the process of repairing relationships, there's mm-hmm. a lot of like back and forth in terms That's of forgiveness. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like at least both parties are trying, right? And mm-hmm. that that's one of the harder parts as well because sometimes you're in a relationship with only one party is trying. Right. And that's just so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's difficult to overcome um, upbringings. I mean, your mom as well for her because oh my she, gosh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, my mom like she lost her dad when she was eleven, oh, and her mom had first I think it's like eleven kids, but there's only oh, like gosh. eight of them or something. Like it's wild. Yeah. So and she's still alive, still mm-hmm. hardcore Catholic, fantastic woman, mm-hmm. but like. Literally, the only things she watches on TV are the Catholic channel and a basketball. That's it. <laughs> like, she is, like, that Catholic. She watches it on TV. Wow. So, wow. yeah, I can only imagine what my mom is unlearning, especially because she didn't come to America until she was 23. Right. And the Philippines itself is, like, one of the most Catholic nations in Asia. Mm. So, I think it's almost, like, 93% Catholic really? or something like that. It's oh a wild number. Yeah, yeah, because so. of Spanish. Mm-hmm. Damn Spaniards. But <laughs> their traces. Mm-hmm. Just the names. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's interesting how Spain is also struggling with some of that identity as well. Yeah. Yeah, even like, I don't know. So my specific family line, I did a DNA test. Oh, cool. So I found out I'm 99% Filipino, oh, wow. but 1% Portuguese. So whoever my colonizer was was actually Portuguese. Okay. Um, the family story is that it was a Portuguese stowaway on one of the ships that came over. Okay. But even Portugal is going through that struggle of, like, we once had one of the, like, actual largest colonies or, um, like, empires in the entire yeah, world. Yeah. And now people just think we're part of Spain. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, some people do, yeah. They've also had the longest time to kind of get over it mm-hmm. because they, they lost their colonies relatively early. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but people still have feelings. <laughs> no, no, it's it's hard because once you've been an empire, it's really hard to let that go. You know, like yeah, you know, you study global health and you 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 see a therapist, so you probably know how human beings react to loss so much in oh, such goodness. a more devastating way than yes. they react to winning things i agree yeah three times three times as much yeah like that so it's hard to be like yeah (laughs) it's okay i remember we were watching an anthony bourdain episode where he goes to portugal and he's like Mm -hmm. why is everyone so sad and melancholy and they're like that's just the way we are (laughs) i haven't been i haven't been i want to go yeah i remember when i went to spain i had a like one of those lonely planet 
mm-hmm. Spain and Portugal books, and I ran into some Portuguese, and they're like, "You need to go to Portugal." I was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> I don't like to go to multiple countries in uh, one trip." Gotcha. Because I'm afraid that like years later, I will mix those up. Um, I will. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that. Yeah, especially Spain and Portugal. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have very distinct mm-hmm. uh, cultures, and you know, even within Spain, each region has very distinct cultures. Mm-hmm. Just like here, you know, like yeah, Arizona yeah. is a culture shock to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you're ten years removed from that experience, you're like, where did I do what? The way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well, at the very least, Anthony Bourdain says they have amazing seafood. So um, yeah, they should. Right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the country borders the sea, so mm-hmm. they better. <laughs> <laughs> I have great seafood in Spain too. See, but, I just uh, need to go and eat. You do. You do. Yeah. You can eat around the world. I mean, that's why his show is so successful. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Anthony. I just finished Kitchen Confidential, and I was like, mm, everyone should have seen this coming, helped him out, but, like, it was a beautifully written book. Oh, really? Yeah, so he hinted. He was, it was obvious. Well, so he talks about his addiction a lot. Well, not a lot. He, like, sidesteps around it, but you can also tell he's sidestepping around it, uh, which is really mm-hmm. interesting, but there are parts of it where the melancholy tone like hits really deep and you can tell it comes from like this well inside of him of more things that he's struggling with so I don't know he talks about people in the book that are like super close to him and I'm almost like I want to know what was happening behind the scenes but also I understand that's not my place but like even in his book I can like I can tell right well you also have this global health background so you're you kind of are trained (laughs) to focus on things like that Right? Do you think that's part of... Did it help your training? Oh, well, so... Global health is technically public health. So, like, mm-hmm. epidemiology and, right, like, right. poverty and how we help those in, who are in poverty, like, right. get medical care. Mm-hmm. There was a brief section where we talked about mental health. Mm-hmm. But really, the global health degree helped me dive into, like, the acute psych facility where I worked in. And that's mm-hmm. where I actually feel like I got the most hands-on work. But I never, ever felt fully, fully qualified, <laughs> to be honest. Like, even to be a teacher, I don't feel fully qualified. So um, both of them are very large <laughs> topics. Yeah, so, it's yeah. it's more so the experience. I think with anything, like the more experience you have with something, yeah, like the more you at least become attuned to it. Right. Right. Like even poetry. When I lead poetry workshops, it's just like I just know these words sound good together. <laughs> Can't tell you why anymore, but they sound good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also find that teaching something helps you learn it because mm-hmm. you have to seriously digest it you yes. have to break it apart and you have to be like how do I explain those people where I'm just doing and mm-hmm. usually people want you to do a workshop that you are good at doing so you don't mm-hmm. tend to think about it anymore right? yeah and you don't break it apart so yeah I think that's why I've been blessed is I've always led workshops with young people that are always fresh with ideas and learning new Mm -hmm. things and seeing things through their eyes is like enlightening in so many different ways but it's also like all right so really at the end of the day how do I explain things in like their most base form so even like metaphors or similes or like assonance consonants and finding words that like sound good together because they just have similar sounds right right it's really fascinating it is and you know like depending you have a lot of students so you know that they will digest things differently they Mm -hmm. will resonate with things differently 
Mm-hmm. So some of your students will want the dictionary definition, mm-hmm. and some will be like, "Okay, I got the concept. It's okay." Yeah, you know, right? And you have to prepare for that gamut, mm-hmm. for that range. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Planning sucks, but it's fine. <laughs> then you get better. At yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We're totally off topic. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I don't know where we are, but I'm glad we're here. <laughs> good, good, good. So, in closing, if you don't mind letting us know where we can find you, hear you read, because mm-hmm. that event was the first time I met you. Yeah. Um, and also where we can follow you. Yeah. Cool. So, logistics out of the way first. Um, I do have a website. It's mayagainpoetry.com. So, the word may, like the month, the word again, poetry.com. The easiest way to follow me is on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. So, it's mayagain. So, again, the word may, the word again, and then an underscore. So, the event that we met at, Skinny Black, that showcase, Mm -hmm. was the first time I have performed pretty much since starting teaching, to be honest. So, it's been a journey for me, rediscovering who I am as an artist, because I felt like such a fraud to begin with (laughs) when I was performing, like, all the time, Mm -hmm. to even now, like... I'm a person with what's supposed to be a 9-to-5. Mm. Teaching is not a 9-to-5 for those of you considering teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first time I've really had a steady job and I'm feeling like such an imposter as an artist. Mm. Like, I'm not up at 2 a.m. making art. Oh, my God. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah. but, so I'm just around. Okay. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming to talk about your poetry and co- talking about not only your sexuality, but some of the dark aspects of your family life i'm sorry and, okay. and i'm glad you're working through that and and I'm, I'm glad you have some sense of support from some of them and it's good mm-hmm. you know so thank you very much for your time yeah thank you for having me i appreciate you yeah you can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and via social media on Twitter, Instagram, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.